Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of Love Handles, the boozy romp through the musical dramas of George Friedrich Handel. I know we've been gone for a year, however, sometimes people get sad and you don't really know what to do with your life, and then you start doing stuff, and now we're back in action. Love to see it! Well, we are discussing Amadigiti Gaula this episode in episode one of season two of Love Handles with my dear friend, my dear collaborator, the director herself, Diane Machine. My favorite thing about Diane is that I can just say, talk about this, and she'll start talking. It's a lovely episode. We have a lot of fun. It's some of my favorite music that Handel has ever written, and I really hope you enjoy this episode. Have a great time, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at lovehandlespod if you want more updates about upcoming guests and episode announcements. Have fun. Bye-bye. Oh no, we're just gonna start recording right away. <laughs> it's I can edit anything out. It's great. <laughs> How I, do you look this good this early in the morning? Who me? I smell really bad. Well, I can't tell it because wait, are you in the fancy Airbnb? Yeah. I'm in the office of the fancy Airbnb. God, we love an office. Funny. I just went and like grabbed a coffee. And then I also have a can of wine. I have um for Wait, the here's celebratory some, here's some ASMR. Mm. Uh. Um I have also left huge cup of coffee. Gorge. And instead of the wine, a chorizo taco. Yeah, that is in the spirit. Mm-hmm. What's in the spirit? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I know this is not handled, but how was opening night? Oh my gosh, opening night was so much fun. It was so nice to have an actual audience to like react to things. I was like, oh my gosh, I wasn't. Well, yeah. And then I got like super in my head and like started disassociating in the middle of an aria, but it's fine. I really it's learned fine. how to um, make it look like I'm in the moment, even if I'm not. Mm-hmm. So. Important talent. life skills, yeah. Talent? Is that what I'm giving? <gasps> um, the, oh, before we actually do anything, I do have to tell oh. you this TTTT. I don't know. It's weird. I also got a bagel, but I realized that they don't toast their bagels and they what? only have one what? kind of cream cheese. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to go back to New York. Oh, you you need to get out of there. Go back to New York. That's not, <laughs> that's not how we do a bagel. We it's do a bagel. It's mm-hmm. been a lovely run, but I miss my bed and my humans. Oh, I don't miss that apartment, but I miss my bed. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I think that's, well, no, you know what sucks is I miss your apartment. Except that if you're, here's the thing, your apartment's perfect, except for 
your bathtub. I just need that bathtub to add like two feet on it. And then it's perfect. I mean, I can take a bath in it. But see, I, okay, when you come visit me in Grand Rapids, when we go see Turndot, you will see that my, my bathroom, I spend more time in my bathroom than in my bedroom. I'm not even kidding. That's a lot. I realized when I was, I took a bath while I was in a hotel room recently because I was like, it's here. I might as well try. And then I got in it and I was like, I forgot that this is why I hate baths. You just sit there. No, that's filth. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is why, um, James, since I have moved here to the Grand Rapids of the Midwest, um, (laughs) I have to, I take baths at a minimum of twice a week. No lies. If I like, if I'm in the middle of like grading stuff and like, I've like finished great, like, like I'm reading lots of play responses of my students seeing the sound of music, no shame, but like, sometimes you just need a little cleanser. And what I do is I just run that bath, put in some eucalyptus um, salts. I have a, um, like a berry soap thing. I got, I like get bath bombs and then I sit in there and I watch the really bad gossip girl on HBO max and I scroll through Instagram and it's great. It's good times. You're really living the life and I'm keeping all of that in. (laughs) (laughs) Now everyone, now all my students are going to know what I do when I'm like, I need a break from reading all of your thoughts on theater. Mm, Students are lovely, but you can only take so many theater responses. I really you have to take a bath. It's it's but you know what? I here's the thing. I this this has everything to do with handle. Um RIP. Um I literally <laughs> find no spoilers, that, but he is dead. <laughs> <laughs> I literally find that if I take a bath, like like I can't take a bath and it'll like soothe relax me and i'll go to sleep but most of the time it like wakes me up and i'll like get out of the bath and get so much shit done like while i was editing our piece for good mess opera company there were some bath breaks in between and that's how we like powered through this is going really well i just get real sad and don't shower for a couple days (laughs) (laughs) okay uh diane machine tell me your pronouns Tell me your what you do and tell me the last thing that you've listened to. Like, Ooh. I want you to like open, I don't know if you use Spotify or not, but the last thing that you've searched for to listen to. Oh, excellent. Okay. Hey folks, my name is Diane Machine. My pronouns are she, her. Um, and I am a director of um, the uh, performative entertainment arts and currently this year, um, I'm a visiting professor and director at Grand Valley State University in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Represent. I think we're go Lakers. Go Lakers. There we go. I clearly am doing well at this job. Um, and Don't now even know the mascot for your own. Shut up. We can't. Employer. We can't talk about. It. I literally, co- I literally, uh, one of my intro classes is just athletes. All right. The last thing I searched for, this is going to be real embarrassing. Oh, it's not. The last thing I searched for was Billie Eilish. Okay. And you know, and I can tell you why, because the song I wanted to listen to was, um, you should see me in a crown. Cause I just like needed a little like power, power song. 
I don't know any of Miss Eyelash's music. Oh my God. And James, this is actually you. I uh, maybe this should become a James doesn't know about Billie Eilish podcast, and we this just could like, easily become a James doesn't know anything about Gen Z musicians <laughs> podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and like it could very quickly divulge into that. Like, I actually, you know what? Interesting. It could be turned into James. They don't know anything about Gen Z, and it's like you trying to like Gen Z and like relate them to handle, um, handle operas. Mm -hmm. Like actually, oh my God, Um, this might be what this podcast is about to turn into. I don't know. Jukebox musicals. I don't think so. Um, oh, and this is like, this will probably be the first episode ever of season two of love handles. The re, what did I say? The rehandling? Sure. The rehandling. Isn't that cute? I love um, it. Perfect. So for people who don't know, I am James M. Brown. I am a countertenor. And the last thing I searched for in my pronounce. Spotify is... James, pronounce. Oh, my pronouns are they, them. Thank you. Oh my gosh, this is my show and I should probably know that. Last thing I listened to was The Bells of Notre Dame from The Hunchback of Notre Dame, <laughs> the stage musical. It was my pump-up song for um, I premiered an opera last night, and it was my pump-up song driving to the venue with some sushi. I Do you know how dicey it is to do sushi as a pre-performance dinner? I, I actually was just going to say, James, um, I was going to, like, ask you about your, like, pre-performance, um, like, routine or ritual, as some of them call it. Um, sushi, rave toys, bold. It's... Yeah, it's a little suspicious, um, but like you get a carb and a protein to like sustain you. Oh, and sometimes you get a veggie in there too. It's like wrapped in there. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. And like a little wasabi to clear out the sinuses. I think it's a great pre-performance meal. It's just like, if you get the bad sushi, I just go to the Whole Foods one and just snag some of that. Cause like, what's the worst that's going to happen? I was going to say, you can- Actually, there's pretty bad things that can happen, but- I was going to say, there's there's a lot of bad things. (laughs) But you can trust Whole Foods. I, feel, I mean, it's in the name. They're Whole yeah. Foods. And then I feel like if you did get ill, you know their litigation, like litigation, but like their lawyers, you know, they just be like, okay, take this money. Just shut up about our sushi. Your rationalization is that it is Whole Foods. <laughs> I love it. Okay, wait. Um, shut up, you... y'all. I'm a professor. I'm, I'm supposed to be smart. <laughs> we are smart. Everybody's smart in different ways. In very different ways. Um, can you give us your, what is your relationship to handle? <laughs> okay. All right, folks. I had to put the coffee down. Um, okay, folks, here's the deal. Um, I, all of my opera friends, colleagues, um, fellow artisans are like deeply in love with handle they think he's the cat's meow um i don't get it and to the point uh i've been begging james and brown i've been begging them to let me come on this um show because i've been like it could be like the the counter voice that's like i hate handle however the irony of all of this is I was totally prepared to come in and be like, it doesn't make sense. And why is it so long? And holy crap, this like fucking repeats are awful. Um, I have been watching this morning um, 
uh, an opera by Monsieur Handel. Um, and um, I'm not gonna lie, uh, I'm actually kind of digging it. Uh, I'm watching uh, a Magdiga di Gaula. See, folks, this is why I I know so nothing about. We're gonna we'll catch your Italian up at some point. We'll do a little <laughs> crash course in Italian. Um, I'm a DG di Gaula. Thanks God. What we are discussing today. Oh. Um, but I will say to your point about. I am not saying that Handel is a perfect composer. I am no. saying oh, that he is, an, he is an oeuvre of work that affected a lot of things in Italian opera. And I think it is an important thing to discuss and also like has a vast enough repertoire that it's like, we can like talk about one thing an episode. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> he's also kind of a composer of convenience because it is work that I know well and like, can yes, like, you do. You know very get, well. He can still get a little tipsy and talk about. So, like, composer <laughs> of convenience. I will. I am one of the first people to say, chop out some of those arias. We don't need all of them. We don't need oh a four God. and a half hour no. opera. I we think, don't need. I think okay. Then maybe maybe that's a way for me to start this. So, like, to, for for our audience. So, I consider myself um a bastard opera director. I came to this very very late in the game um james they're making faces at me <laughs> and i um my first experience with handel was a dean of production and i i just remember being like i don't know and to be to be fair to the cast the crew the creative team everyone was working so hard to make the piece work and be interesting and it was very vocally demanding everyone um like did did their part but like i kept we like we're like nearing the day of the opening and i was like this show is so long i don't know how we're gonna get audiences to stay for show and it ended up being very close to four hours and i and i and i again like i'm a director and i was and i and i was sitting there quite frankly a lot of time being like maybe I'm just not getting it. Like maybe, maybe I should give up on opera. Like maybe this is just not where I'm supposed to <laughs> be working. Not giving up on opera because you thought yeah. handle was too long. I literally, well, cause I just was like, maybe, maybe I literally, well, you just start to question yourself. Like, I just don't get it. Or like, I don't want to sit through. Well, I literally was like, every single character has two arias two, And they repeat the entire aria. Oh, and not like, just two. I mean, it Oh you no! Were, you were directing Cesare, and Cesare has like seven arias and a duet. Oh my god! And it's a so bit many. much. And so I, I was eighteen, and that was that was that was a lot. Yeah. The I think people. This is just my opinion. People kind of need to like sit down and really think about what arias actually contribute to creating a character. And yes. like, what is there? What was there? Because I mean, the Baroque period, all about showing off, showing what the voice can do. That's why, I mean, that's a big part of why A prime sections exist. Um, for people who don't know, in Baroque opera, you have an aria, which is a paused moment in time where a character gets to express themselves emotionally. Um, you have an A section, then you go into a B section that is, uh, a transformative section to go into an A prime section where the A section repeats again and you get to ornament and change things up, do some funky stuff, whatever you, whatever the spirit moves you to do. 
Um, and a lot of times people chose things that would show off their voices so that they could get good reviews and hired more. Um, and there are, there are, there are other schools of thought where it's like you choose ornaments that are going to actually uh, mimic what is happening in the text or to show um, different emotions through different vocalises and whatnot. Um, so yeah, to like sit down and boil down which arias actually tell me what this character is actually all about, as opposed to we got to keep this aria because it shows off that I have coloratura and it's like you don't yeah. you don't need all of that I think that's what it day. was yeah like I would like I have a theater background and so much of theater um or, or at least and like from my th that was the thing when I was like I, I had just come to opera and then like was like thrust last minute into working on this um AD gig on Giulio Cesare and I think I just was like oh but like yeah, like we should be like the whole I I was like deep in grad school where they're like, everything needs to serve the story. Like, what is the story that you're going to tell? Or like, what is the purpose? Like, you know, we've all worked on like pieces where like, it's not about the story, but it's about like, like the action or an idea or a moment or whatever. And I remember just being like, like, I don't get like, why are we doing these arias again? And like, why is it? Because because in at least in Chesra when I was working on it, there are moments when like plot happens and I would be like, oh, cool, this is cool. And then we would stop and just sing about it before we took action. <laughs> yeah, I guess I would like to rescind what I was saying. I, I would like, <laughs> let me, let me no, try take two. I, I'd like to, I'd like to take two on this. Maybe less about, I, I guess all arias are going to serve a character and show you different facets of a character. I think people need to start thinking more about which arias move a plot mm. and or, show the show the about, sides of a character that have to do with yeah. the plot. I mean, yeah. I understand showing exactly. humanity for different characters, but for some of them, it's like, cool, did this actually, are there other things that we can do to show that side of that character as opposed to standing and singing for eight minutes? Exactly. Well, and that's what, I think that's part of my thing. It's like, I think we, we have the technology quite literally today. We can rebuild it. Um, like, yeah, but like we can do. And and like, because I mean, not to like make everything about, you know, the current circumstances with which we all live in, but like the pandemic has truly asked everyone as artists and I would argue specifically operatic artists to really, really think about what are other tools that you can use um, not only to get your story out, but how to tell it. And, mm. and I guess, I guess that's what I'm at. And these are like just things that I'm thinking about a lot right now, especially. And I'm like, okay, well, if I have all these tools at my disposal and they're not as expensive as they used to be, like it used to be like to have a projector and that type of technology, like that was for like, a you had to be like a rep company. And now you can, we can go just to Best Buy today and like pick up a pretty solid projector and go and set it up ourselves with our HDMI cord. Um, and it's like, and little things like that can help you. And just like thinking, I think just kind of, you know, just taking a second and like, okay, like you said, instead of this eight minute aria, what is this eight minute aria doing? for this character or for this moment or for this production at large um and it's tough i i hear 
I hear people who are like, but the music and like the work is so brilliant and it was created to be a whole. And how would you feel if you heard that, you know, your piece was getting cut up to shreds? I hear all of that. And I still am going to push back and say, I think, I think, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a time and a reason for why we should adapt and massage pieces and um, not sit in a theater for four hours. Yeah. And everyone's character is a piece of a greater puzzle. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of production things, <laughs> can you tell us which production you watched of Amadiji? Okay. So I watched this production. Um, that's, I have to say like Bravo, James is the one who told me that I should watch it. Um, I, thoroughly enjoyed it um we had a good time i'm trying to find okay so the opera company is krakow it was recorded to 2013 um i believe this was um what should we call it i believe it's in i think czechoslovakia okay in krakow or maybe not that's the name. That's the name of the theater. Yeah, opera. Oh, here we go. Or maybe it's Poland. Good job. That was the capital of Poland. Yeah. So it's opera. I think it's opera Krakow. K R A K O W. Yeah. That's okay. Cool. Good job, Diane. You're re- a solid professor. That's okay. Listen, if someone was like, "What's the capital of Poland right now?" I'd be like, "Hmm." I don't know. We're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm just trying to get through. The I was going to say, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> the borders are about to be closed. We're not going anywhere <laughs> if they haven't been closed already. Um, can you tell us who was in the cast at all? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to butcher all these names. That's so great. there was Joanna Drobakowska, um, Marzena Lubraska, Malgorzata Rodek, Helena Pozakowska and Antonina Ruda. And yes, I will be making James re-say all these names for you. So it's not I to don't be. Think, I don't think I could do them any better than that. Those are some very European names. Yeah. Those are some very uh, middle European names. Um, yeah. So uh, here's a fun game that I like to play. Can you describe the plot in like three phrases? It can be I... like broad. Oh, I here. Okay. So here's the thing. The show I watched was, was very, um, avant-garde. I don't actually know if I, okay. I would say, okay, we got Amadigi. How do you say it? Amadigi. Amadigi. We have Dardano. They both love Oriana. And there's this sorceress, Melissa, and essentially, essentially, just to to boil it down very much, mm-hmm. um, the sorcerer, Melissa, she wants Amadigi's affections and the whole opera is her just trying to, to keep these dudes away from Oriana in like various magical, mystical ways. Yeah, that's great. Honestly, that's pretty spot on. The... <laughs> Um, this plot is almost Mozartian. It gives me big it cozy kind of vibes. Is. 
Yeah, it really does. Yeah, it's everyone is in love with a the wrong person. Person. Um, except for Oriana and Amadici, who their love gets torn apart because yeah. Melissa's a bitch. Yeah. Um, which is fun. Um, so yeah, you said the production you watched was very avant-garde. Can you speak on that a little? Um, bit? okay. So so this production, when um uh the the orchestra is on stage with them. Ooh, there's funny. a I know there's a um, projection screen behind, um, and it's very so. There's no like backstage. It's essentially like just like big black box, and the audience is in like the stadium seating. And um, when the opera hasn't started yet, but they're all on stage, and so you see the audience like coming in. They're sitting down, and there's a naked. Um, a uh, female identifying body kind of facing like with her back to us with like these two um uh like like in like leather sexy lingerie um people and then on stage in a semicircle are like and just like like some strange types but they're all there's kind of like like a little jerking and shaking and um they and, and like, this is all just kind of like, there's like this very like loose amount of like movement on stage as people are coming in. The overture starts um, and um, the two, um, we're gonna call them kind of like uh, servants. They start painting the female identifying body blue. Then they lay her down and they like make imprints of her body on this like piece of parchment. Um, and we're only halfway through the overture at this point. Okay, so those are the vibes that you're going into. Yes. In this interesting, huh? Uh huh. What What was the What was like the aesthetic? The aesthetic. So the aesthetic definitely was like underground um, kink BDSM. Uh, okay, vibe. it's one of because those. like. Because yeah, like yeah, it's one exactly. It's one of those. Like um, the there was an aria where one of the women um, they there that was the thing that actually was really cool in front of the um the orchestra was like their prop table, but it was like this big block of white, and every single prop that they clearly were going to use for the production was like very meticulously laid out, and so the two servants had this like camcorder that was set up to their projector. And they would like sometimes do like these overhead aerial shots and like zoom in and out on each of these props. So then later during one of the arias, um, um, one of the singers, she like um, there, she finds a whip on there and she starts like for a very prolonged amount of time uh, uh, flogging herself. Um, this, I have to say, so this is why I know, I, I know at the beginning I said, I, I hate handle. Um, I don't understand entirely what's going on in this production, which probably makes me a bad professor, but I can't stop watching it. I mean, there's and, something to be said about something that is so visceral and something that is so like intriguing to watch, even if you like don't know. That kind of gives I, me big, um, what is that theater show in New York right now? The one where you have to go through the different rooms? Oh, um, Sleep No More? Sleep No More. Mm. How it's like, you don't really know why it's here. But you're like enjoying yourself. <laughs> you're like, it's good times. No, because, well, and is it terrible? I was like, I was like, you know, I'm working real hard to be like, okay, 
this and that's the other thing like so the sir titles are in polish because this they're singing in italian and the you know i'm i'm not clearly going to understand any of it because they are translating for their audience which good for them at home um mm -hmm. but it's oh so you didn't have any of the english with you no so that's why uh... i was like i like i like found um I found an English libretto translation. Shut, shut up, James. No, I did the same thing. I had, I, mine didn't even have subtitles. I had to watch the English libretto. So oh, I, I found the same libretto you did. Oh, I'm sure. Well, I was, and I was like scrolling through it and I was like, I think I'm at the right place. Um, and then there came a point. Um, it's I don't know, from came... Oxford. They did a really great job. I thought the translations oh. were really great. Well, I was thinking, there, oh, well, that's the thing. There came a point when I was watching that I actually like, I will say this, this production, every, I, I, I have no, I, I have no idea what like the thoughts behind the specific choices are, but they're so committed to it. There's an aria where a girl is slapping herself the whole time. And I, and then at the end of it, she's flogging herself. And, um, there's the, the woman who's playing the sorceress. Um, she starts one of her arias holding a girl horizontally against a wall. And then she drop right. She's singing and then she drops her and they both drop into like a runner stance and she makes the girl run up and down the theater while she's singing her aria. So I'm just like very, I'm very impressed with this team. Um, wow. very you know, there was no intimacy coordinator because it is Europe. <laughs> it is Europe. <laughs> um, contrastingly, the production that I watched uh, is uh, from Festspiel Orchestra Göttingen um and it was incredibly traditional in a way that was very but done in a way where i was like okay all right like to the point where even the cues that are in the score like in the if you like look in a baron writer score you'll have things that handle wrote in for to yeah. happen on stage they happened at the exact time oh no i want to see that production it was super mm -hmm. interesting and everything was um it felt very of Handel's time where everything's kind of made out of like plywood and they come they like fly in columns and they fly oh, in the it. fountain um which interesting thing about so the fountain is a very big part of this plot for some reason um the whole thing centers around this fountain um but in the actual production they put a fountain on stage and that was like a big part of why people came to see this opera in the first in 1715 is because they had a working fountain working on the stage oh my god yeah because can you kind of can you imagine yeah i would fuck if i was in the 17th i would be like yes we're going to the opera tonight to see i gotta fountain. see that fountain mm. Mm. plus um, you know that that water's gonna splash on all the girls and then people are like mm, yes and they're just there and dancing like you know that's how that's, that's how people had that's how people had dirty thoughts in the 1600s yeah. It, the one that I watched was very like small stage. Love, I love a small stage. Trap love doors and everything. Ooh. The flames, there are flames that happen at one point where in the score it says flames come and envelop the columns. The flames were uh, flat on the ground and you pull a string and they rise up. Like <laughs> giving me big puppet show vibes. Um, I love and it. All the characters were in quite period, period for like broke, like plumes of feathers um Ooh. and everyone had their own color 
So Amadigi was red, Dardano was uh, blue, Oriana was like silver, um, Melissa was purple, I think. Um, and oh, we're nice. also working with such a small cast. Like this is super interesting that we are working with essentially four characters. There are technically five characters. Uh, we don't think about the last character because <laughs> she does not come in until the absolute end and <laughs> sings one thing and leaves. Um, so really we have four characters. We have Amadigi, who is the prince, or the king, the king, he's the king. King of Thrace, I think. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Uh, Oriana, who he's in love with, Melissa, yeah. the sorceress, and Dardano, who is a prince. Um, oh, duh. I'm sorry. Amadigi is obviously king of Gaula because Amadigi de Gaula. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Dardano is the prince of Thrace. Um, yes. Which this is all based off of an old Spanish play. Well, that was the thing. I like looked it up and, and I was like, this is Spanish? Like, this is yeah, so right? cool. It gives me big like Scottish vibes, not Spanish, but I was like, okay. No, and you know why? It's because whole thing, because I'm looking at I'm I'm cheating and I'm totally looking at their little um because the King of Gaul was educated in Scotland. Gotcha. That's why. Because yeah, we'll get to it at some point, but there's one piece of music in this that is like so inherently scottish that i was like what is happening um so yeah great that we're only working with four characters this is also one of the only operas where he doesn't employ a voice lower than an alto so like there's no mm. technically you can do this whole opera without any male bodies oh we love that yeah which i think is that yeah the the one i watched had no uh, male identity yeah. bodies. The one, the one I watched. Well, so the one I watched, there was one of the like hand servants in like at the top of the show that was painting the woman was could have been male identifying, but very likely may may not have been. But all of the singers proper were not male identifying bodies. Yeah, that's really cool. That's I very think, cool. I think it's so neat, and I would implore a director in the future to not make them pants rolls. I think yeah, it would be- yeah. none, of, none of the production I watched, none of them were pants rolls. Oh, interesting. Either the one that I watched, Amadigi and Dardano were definitely like dressed to look like boys, which for anyone listening who does not know what a pants roll is, it is the um, operatic uh, technique of making young men being sung by female identifying people um there's a lot of a lot of history behind that um panto all that fun stuff um yeah there's a lot of a lot of weight behind that history whether it be um of sexual deviance of seeing a woman on stage with pants so you can see <gasps> her full figure oh, or if it is the act of using a higher voice to portray a younger person yeah yeah fun stuff i could i literally went on a rant about this the other day because i'm <laughs> currently in a production where there are some people who do not understand or who have never experienced um baroque repertoire and the traditions that come with it um uh -oh. and so i kind of like i was drinking a little wine and i got a little <laughs> started spitting out a dissertation about um pants rolls and the use of women on stage in the Baroque period, which we would never have. Honestly, we really wouldn't have women on stage if it wasn't for Handel. So 
maybe this podcast is about making me like handle <laughs> because actually this conversation is like after me like legitimately i actually i meant to text you while i was watching this production because i was like oh, i really dig this hey the music is really good like i really like the music in this and then uh and then i was watching them like do what make all their interesting choices and now that you're like oh it's all female identifying bodies and oh if handle hadn't been like sorry gotta have these female singers up on stage this is how it was written it does make okay. me speaking of the music Ooh. The tra- oh, i got i got uh segues today i guess um so a bunch of this music was recycled later on in the water music that he wrote um you know do do that's why i like it yeah yeah there's that whole Oh my Amadigi god. has an aria that uses the do 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 do. Yeah. I literally was I I I was uh I literally was about to be like, wow, this sounds really familiar. And I was like, or maybe like I've heard it because James was playing it at some point in the background when we're hanging out. But also <laughs> it's just casually just quotes from one of his most famous pieces, um, which is why I'm sure you've heard it before. I love this it. This is a weird orchestration. This is it's, the weirdest. It's, it's, this Maybe that's why I like orchestration. It. I, I that's why I love it. It is yeah. so weird. He uses because he's using so many treble voices. He also like implemented a lot of like wind instruments that you don't often hear in wow. his orchestrations. Which I was like, okay, let's get into it. Yeah, he, uh, there's so much. So I personally sing a lot of Dardano's stuff for auditions. So like mm-hmm. I'm I know that music very well. Um and to hear a lot of times you will hear um oboe and bassoon to uh this is considered a magic opera. You yeah air quotes. Right. I'm putting air quotes for, for <laughs> this is a podcast, you can't see air quotes. Yeah. This is considered a magic opera, um, which kind of falls under like the same boat as like Alcina. Ario Dante a little bit, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, so anytime magic is implemented, you will oftentimes hear oboe and bassoon. Um, and it, so- what, what, did I, This is, I was like, Professor um, James M. Brown. Yeah, what's that? What? Okay, what is it about like bassoon and oboe that like we have these feelings that they like surround magic or like where did that um, association like come into play? I don't have like a treaties answer for that, but I'm assuming that we associate bassoon and oboe with, there's a sense of longing in that sound. Um, And oftentimes when magic Mm -hmm. is implemented in Handel's operas, it's always out of a place of malice. Mm. And so these people have been hurt in some way and are trying to cause more pain um so you have that kind of like pianto uh, style um you mean you hear it in Dardano has a uh has an aria where he's contemplating suicide yeah. um and oboe and bassoon are like you have a rolling uh bassoon part underneath the whole entire aria it's the one that i sing in auditions right now and i have to put it away because i get very sad about halfway through and I was no like, wait for real i know yeah it gets really like i've like cried in auditions on accident i'm like oops my bad um so there's that here um 
I might insert a clip of that specifically in here. No, I think you should. Yes, yeah. let's do it. But yeah, so uh, yeah, a lot of winds and you get a trumpet, but only one trumpet, which is very funny to me because normally Handel writes for two horns and not just one. Um, oh. And I have a feeling it has to do with budget on this one. <laughs> it's like, I can only employ a single horn player. Yeah. Well, can um, I tell you how many times that like, I, I like hear things after the fact and like and it's exactly that we're like god why is this so unique you only use one or like this unique combination and you talk to the creator and they're like it's because our budget was shot and we had to only employ these certain people yeah oh handle like, understand handle understands that poor poor artist plight he said have a single trumpet it will be mm -hmm. used in two arias mm. good luck good um, luck yeah did you take note of any um, arias that you were particularly moved or like thought were like bops? I thought were bops. Low jams. Um, I mean, I mean, still full confession to all the listeners out there. Um, I I was spending a lot of time just trying to keep up and uh, just like wow, we're um, we're running and then we're hitting ourselves and then we're. Um, you were really wrapped up in the in the not, choices that were being made. I on was stage. really wrapped up. In the, I mean, like, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I was really wrapped up in the choices. Well, which is why, like, now, James, I actually feel like now I need to see the production that you saw because oh, I yeah, want to send it to you. It's yeah. great. I I thought they did a really lovely job. Um, oh, they also used baroque gesture. The entire everyone used baroque Ooh. gesture. Oh, I should okay. also say who was in that production. So sorry. I want to give people oh. their. I want to oh, give no, people the roses. Is that a phrase? I think I made that up. I think it should be a thing now. Right? Okay. Um, Amadigi was Marika Bron, uh, mezzo-soprano. Oriana was Stephanie True, good old Canadian gal, um, who she was probably the one that most seamlessly uh, brought Baroque gesture into her performance. Like it was very like, it, she did, she hit all the gestures, but they were very natural. I was like, whoa, okay. Uh, Melissa was Judith Gautier. Dardano was Marketa Kukrova. Um, and then, I'm so sorry, Miss jo Johanna Ness, but Orgando, <laughs> who is the most random character who we really don't see until the very end. She was, she was there. She did it. She did what she needed to do. She did it. Um, yeah, no, everyone did some really interesting stuff. They definitely every almost every single important word was uh placed with a broke gesture which i thought was super i was like y'all are committed it was all wow. every line was choreographed 
Um, wow. Which is oh, why I'm I... sure um, Miss, uh, Miss True, Stephanie True, I feel like she must have been a dancer because the way her movements were so fluid, everyone was like hitting their broke yeah. gestures beautifully and everything and creating these beautiful pictures on stage, but she was just going for it. Um, but yeah, I took some notes on like, uh, just because we have so few characters, I just like picked an aria for each of them and I was like, okay, okay. Okay. Um, so I'm going to, mm, we'll have a quick little chat about them because I thought they were important. Um, no, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Amadigi's aria that I was like, okay, this is super interesting was Susarate on De Vezzose, which is um, where he's uh, pacing around the uh, fountain. It's, a, it's literal fountain music. Oh, okay, um, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, I'll play a little bit of it for you. Those are the vibes of that one. Um, I was like, love it. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's cool because uh, the vocal line is like flowing water. And also, I don't know if you know this. Um, the uh, when you use recorders, um, it is pastoral. <gasps> I did not know that. Oh, but so yeah, it's that a makes reference sense. to farmlands and like uh, as a king yeah. you don't normally reference rural things um no, but never. like pastoralness goes all the way back to Commedia with the two lovers and mm -hmm. they are generally of lower status and you get like a little pastoral like love song of like I'm by the fountain I love this woman it's so oh. nice oh <laughs> it's so nice it's so nice it is well no and like it is nice because like um this opera it is like about like power people in power and like and you're right like at the at the the crux of the plot it's just they're in love and they're just trying to be together and it's you know what i mean like like there's other there's other handle operas where like the big problem is like we're at war and i need to kill someone <laughs> or i need to get my son on the throne or you know what i mean the entire plot of ariadante is Ooh, <laughs> how can i get more power i would yeah. like more power do you have mm -hmm. more power mm -hmm. how do i get power so it's like all right well good luck. right right exactly oh good luck good um luck. 
the aria that I picked for Dardano is uh, Tu Mia Speranza, which is that Scottish is, I literally wrote Scottish as fuck. Um, oh my God, yeah, we need to listen to some of that. Yeah. It's, no, it's I, one... I want to know, know why, okay, why do you think it sounds Scottish AF? Because he, it's right after Melissa uh, makes him look like Amadigi to corrupt Oriana. Ah, okay. So he's okay. he's disguised as Amadigi, and to like show that he is Amadigi, who went to school in Scotland, ha, they ha, said, ha. "Have a Scottish jig," <laughs> which I was like, "Okay, Ooh, there's an ad in this one. Hang on." Oh, oh. Not the ads. Not the ads. We'll edit that out. Really, the opening is the most important part because he creates the texture of bagpipes. I was like, I, stop. All right, I have to admit, James, um, upon, I like, I'm not gonna lie, the first time I listened to this, I did not have that. I just was like, oh, yes, up tempo, cool. And now that I'm listening to it, I'm like, oh, handle, you sly fox. Yeah. Yeah. Uses the, uses the basso to like, like the pedal tone of a bagpipe. And then, no, you're right. Damn it, he's really talented. It's like, oh wow, he really knew what he was doing. It's like he was. He really does him. know what he's doing. Holy shit, God. Yeah. Maybe I do like Candle. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> Two more to get through. Uh, okay, we can do this. Yeah, yeah. Oriana. Uh, I gave her. I was like tormentami, which is uh, where she confronts Melissa, and it's oh, literally yeah, her yeah, like yeah. she's like try a bitch. Try it. Come for my crown. You want this? You want that man? Mm. Uh-uh. You try it. And I'm uh it was a it's a great moment. Um, specifically for Oriana, who like is typically like the oh no, I'm so I'm so sad. Yeah. No, because like in my production, oh my god, Melisma. Um uh wait, how do I say the sorcerer's name? Y'all, I'm Melissa? sorry. Melissa. You can say Melissa. It is spelled like Melissa. It's Melissa. Y'all, I apologize. Bastard opera director here. Just gonna continue that hashtag. We'll get you on like, Duolingo. So, yeah, I do need to get on Duolingo. <laughs> Duolingo, sponsor the pod. <laughs> um, Duolingo, please sponsor um, our careers. Okay. Um, no, I, like, in my production, um, um, Melissa, she, like, really runs Oriana ragged like they they even put like Oriana in like glasses like um like they very much make her look like someone who's getting looking a little boo-boo the fool like a little boo-boo the fool yeah so no 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 oh yeah so here let's hear this like Ariana slap back aria 
slap back. Oh, not this one. <laughs> That's so funny. That is a slap back. <laughs> that is a slap back. Oh, God. all right okay that yeah you're right it's so good maybe god now i want us to do this opera well james talk to your opera department (laughs) i will i'll come coach it um Mm -hmm. okay last one 
it's uh Destero da Lempiadite from it's Melissa's uh where she's like, all right, well, these people have really tried me long enough. There's a fucking war aria that she does with the trumpet. I was like, get out of here. Oh, she this is the okay, okay. I just had a, I just had a memory unlock. Uh, <gasps> I I've sung this aria. <laughs> what? Dang! I, it, I, I know. I was like, oh, I've won competitions with that aria. Uh, not <laughs> oh that wasn't god. like that wasn't me bragging. It was just like a, oh my god, why did I not recognize this aria? I've had it transposed Dang. down like a fourth, and <laughs> I did it in undergrad for like an. Uh, for like a chamber music competition with a trumpeter in uh anyway i was like oh my um, gosh i was like i know this recording why do i know this recording anyway so funny um okay for for the audience home listeners um james does not brag so the fact that they are having this like deja vu moment is wild my brain just like exploded on itself i was like wait a second why do i know this anyway very small weird world um James, you're going to need to find a recording of yourself singing it so that we can partake in that on oh, the pod. Are... No, no, no. We don't listen to ourselves in undergrad here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we don't we do not do all that. But um, yeah, that's one of those moments where it's like the oboe player is playing the second trumpet part. And it, so it sounds weird. Oh, you know, you're okay. So uh, it doesn't sound weird to me. It just sounds different. Ooh, but that's why it's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I can only afford a trumpet player. Oboe player, you're up. Here we go. Um, and then I just wanted to give a, a quick um, honorable mention to the ballet that happens at the end. Um, just because... Honorable mention. <laughs> honorable mention goes to the ballet at the end uh, because of how good it is. Because of how. That's all. <laughs> Thank you. 
That was really all of them. It's so good. I'm just like, come on. That's a bop. I literally that is a bop. bop. No, that's a bop. No, and that like feels like dance music. Like you could do so much cool stuff with that. So much. Totally, totally. Um, Mm. Do you have any other musical thoughts about this? It's so fun to be able to talk to you about like production stuff. I mean, I'm so used to chatting with people about specifically like vocal things. Vocal things? Yeah, which I, uh, I know god for nothing about no like i mean that's the thing i i have to admit like i i was i i picked this opera because james and brown sent me a link was like oh here you can like search for productions on here and i picked this one because in their little thumbnail it was just a bunch of people like hunched over someone was holding a paintbrush and another person had like a garter on and i was like i'm sold i'm in um and this production was wild um but like that like to be i mean for me to like uh redeem myself as an opera uh person who works in opera the music in it is outstanding and i think i think that's why like i was like taken in is they're you know they're making choices very very wild choices um but the musicality and like that like is still there and they're very very strong and um i think that's it like i always i don't know i'm saying this again but like i'm always just wildly impressed um by just like how much opera singers commit it's just it's nothing like any other art form like an opera singer has to sing over an orchestra and deal with these huge emotions and in the production I saw, you know, you're running or you're being flogged or one of the singers, she got painted in the first five minutes during the overture, the rest of the opera, she's painted, like her skin must be peeling. Think of like the amount of exfoliation that's like, but she's still like living her life through that piece. Anyways. Yeah. I'm just, I'm wildly impressed and kind of like, um, overwhelmed, you know? Oh, it is. I mean, yeah, especially in like high Baroque periods, it's like you're dealing with a lot of big emotions. Yeah. It's a lot of big emotions to sort out. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's, and it's, and I, it's again, it's a long opera. I, I just think about like the endurance that singers need, like. Oh yeah. The one that I watched, they cut nothing. I yeah, like, I don't think I don't oh. think they cut I don't think they cut anything in the one I watched. I, there's no way. Yeah. Oof. Hmm. It's a lot. It's Big a feelings. lot. Big feeling. Um, I just want to mention the fact that Dardano does come back as a ghost at some point, and it does make me laugh very hard. Um <laughs> I I like kind of don't want to spoil the ending of that opera, but like Dardano comes back as a ghost and it's a great time. <laughs> It's a great time. And it's a great time. Um, yeah, cool. Well, as we wrap up, um, big question for you. Okay. If you could listen to anybody sing, anyone in the world sing Handel, who would you like to hear sing a Handel aria? Um, for reference, I always say Dolly Parton. I, I know I you always say Dolly Parton. Okay, here, I'm going to go into my okay. Spotify wrapped no we're gonna try to make this we're gonna try to make this as um billy eilish 
Is it terrible? I'm kind of think. Okay. All right. Hear me out. You want out, her to guys. whisper? You want her to whisper through an aria? Shut. Shut up. Shut I'm up, Jake. I'm just. I'm just kidding. I love um, you. I'm just Billy, Billy eyelash. I love you, Billy. I'm just saying. Um, hear me out. Everyone else who's who's like, God, this bitch. She doesn't know any. Um, hear me out. If Billy Eilish, um, what if Billy Eilish saying, um, Lasha Pyopranga? <laughs> um, for the folks at home, James M. Brown has given me a that's a choice look. <laughs> I think it's a great choice. Listen, I'm not here to judge your choices. I am here to question them. <laughs> I know, yeah, you are here to question them. I think that's fine. Um, I like that. She would be, I mean, like, honestly, sure. <laughs> I love her, like, sure. I actually, you know what? Um, Because I have to get in a couple more pop culture references, I feel like there is a world You're where... You're like, I'm hip, I promise. I am hip, I promise. I feel like there is a world where the Jonas Brothers, like, could um exist in a handle opera very well. Oh yeah. Interesting. And it's more, I think, um, like, quite frankly, they're they're actually here's the thing. Uh, I know we hate to admit it, but like their ranges are actually like pretty, pretty damn good. Um and uh there's something about like a trio of male voices that I think could be pretty cool. It makes me wish Handel wrote more ensembles. Yeah. Because you don't you don't get a lot. You get a quartet in Orlando, you get a trio in Alcina, and you get some duets. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Handel, he let us down. Hmm. I told you, he is a flawed composer, but he is a composer of convenience. <laughs> he is a composer of convenience. <laughs> that should be the title of this episode, Composer of Convenience. Actually, that's um, rather apropos. Right? Yeah. Well, um, Diane, where can people find you? Um, people can find me um, at my website, dianemachine.com. Or if you want to check me out on the Insta, my um, my Instagram handle is dancemachine, M-A-C-H-I-N, no E, um, nine eight. Um, and um, we'd love to see you. If you want to come and see, I'm directing Rosencrantz and Guildenstern Are Dead by Tom Stoppard for um, the Grand Valley Shakespeare Festival in January. Um, so come out. Let's hope that COVID doesn't oh, shut us down. What are the dates for that? Because this will be released probably first week of January. Oh, perfect. Um, so we're going to be here. Um, I'm so concerned about rehearsals that I actually have to look up the dates of my own show. We open January 21st and we run through the 30th of January. Oh, amazing. Is there any, is there streaming of it or is it just live? Um, at the moment it's just live. I don't think, um, if, if COVID numbers go up, we will be working to provide a streaming option. Great. I love that. Cool, cool. And uh, yeah, you can find me at countertenorjames.com. You can find me at countertenorjames across all social media. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, um, ooh, ooh. Cool, great. Thanks for talking with me, Deanne. Of course. Thank you for having me, James. You're welcome. <laughs>